This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. This episode is hosted by Jessica Brodkin, who you may remember from episode number 11. She's filling in as a guest host for All Possibilities as I take care of my newborn baby. Enjoy the show! How do you want to experience your life? That's not only a fantastic question for anyone, it's the exact question that is a foundation for the healing work done by Michelle Kinan. She's the co-founder of City Wellness Collective, a community and center for healers in New York City. Coming up, you will hear Michelle share why we are personally responsible for the possibilities in our own lives, responsible for how we feel and for how we show up in the lives we create. You'll learn how you can ask yourself, how do I want to feel? Learn how to channel anger into creation. And Michelle reveals what people who teach manifesting your ideal life get wrong. Plus, you'll discover what Michelle has in common with that great arc builder, Noah. I'm Jessica Brodkin, filling in for Julie Chan. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome, Michelle, to our show. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So... Let's start with asking, how does a somatic healer become a community builder? Well, I couldn't speak for all the somatic healers in the world. Um, For myself, I have um, a really deep love and connection to people. And that's one of the big reasons that I got into my work. I really wanted to connect with people on a deeper level and work with them in a really meaningful way. Uh, So part of my intention in becoming a somatic healer was that kind of deeper connection that's very um, constructive and healing. But at the same time, the more I did that work, the more I was tapping into and healing myself. And I realized that I felt pretty isolated and lonely. Uh, And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I never understood that being a healer meant that I was going to be a solopreneur and meant that I would be working on my own behind the scenes, even though in my day to day, I got to work with and connect with so many amazing people. And so I living in New York City, and uh, the way that life is set up here, uh, especially after coming back and living in a place like Berlin, which was much more communal and chill and people hanging out with each other and working together in a very easy way. I just realized that I wanted to have a different kind of life and I couldn't think about anywhere else I wanted to live at the moment. So I like to create where I am and make new realities wherever I am. So we realized, me and my husband, the more we spoke with other healers, that they were in that same position too. They got into the work for the work itself, but they didn't realize the lifestyle necessarily that came with it and all the real world stuff that came with it, which was hard to bear alone. So we created something for healers. You know, we created something 
in mind that were all of my pain points of being a healer and living in a big city and wanting to be connected and nourished and taken care of and seen uh, in a deeper way and not just when somebody was coming to me or to us for a service. That's really beautiful. I kind of, I, uh, the way I think about you and your husband, Dan, is I think of you as kind of like Noah's Ark <laughs> and that the community you've created is, um, to say that it's WeWorks for healers isn't enough because WeWorks is, I mean, I, I've done healings in WeWorks for WeWorks people and I'm not trying to poop on WeWorks um, explicitly or implicitly, but, um, but there's a, there's a huge, you've created a family and you've created, so the healers to me, as someone who is a healer, I, I, we often feel like weirdos. And so you've created sort of a, a, a vessel for us to survive the storm and also just like really flourish. I mean, I, that, that's what it feels like to me. Um, I, I love hearing that feedback. <laughs> um, it's so special. You know, we really, yeah, you know, part of being in a community, and I didn't know this because I didn't grow up in a communal kind of way, um, but my husband did. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of ideas and experiences that he had that we were really able to grow from and um, iterate from when creating City Wellness Collective here in the city. Um, so, and one of the biggest lessons that we had was not to have a finished idea from the beginning. Like we, we understood what we wanted to create and what we wanted to generate, mm -hmm. but we definitely left enough room for us to constantly get feedback and grow in the ways that our members and our community wanted and needed us to grow. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that we've grown so quickly, uh, why we're about to o open our second location in only a year Congrats. and a half. Thank you. Uh, I think what we're doing really resonates with a lot of healers uh, who are also suddenly realizing that they're business people too, or that they're thought leaders as well, or that they're change makers in this movement of consciousness that's happening in society right now. And they are looking for that kind of support um, behind the scenes for themselves so that they can have successful businesses that are also successful practices that also give them a healthy balance in their life where they can pay their bills so that they can really focus all their healthy energy on amazing client work. Uh, and so I love when you say that it's like a Noah's Ark kind of situation or that it's an attraction for a really specific kind of person that doesn't that realizes that they don't want to work in an office or, or that healers need a different kind of environment or energy in order to do good work. And we're always fi figuring out new ways to provide that. So I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> good. I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but um one is that this feels, I've seen you, we've known each other for a year and a half. I've seen you transform in that time. And I'm sure you've felt a lot of transformation yourself. And your business has transformed, not just, first of all, I don't think most people know what somatic healers are. Mm. Would you, could you explain that? Sure. So in our society today, most people are used to using their minds and their verbal skills to navigate their problems or to figure out solutions for themselves. Um, after that, in the healing world, I think a lot of people are very familiar with um, spirit energy, or maybe they're not, but they've heard of maybe spirit energy or shamans yeah. or other uh, sources of um, 
of energy or tools to use for their healing. So somatic healing is trusting in the innate intelligence of the body. And I love using uh, this as a tool and this as a modality because nobody has to be a believer <laughs> in order to mm -hmm. experience the effects of it, or they don't have to use the mind. Actually, it's this opportunity for the mind to chill out so that the body can do the work that it's naturally here to do. So for example, if you think of, um, a, an animal, um, who's like in, you know, a primal state of needing to survive at all times, right. They're living in, in the, in the wild. Um, if they get hurt, for example, they'll start shaking, like they'll start vibrating like crazy. And that's a natural energetic response to pain or to fear. Like it's a survival-based response. The body knows what to do. But humans living in polite society, we've been taught from such an early age about how we should or shouldn't act that isn't necessarily connected to what's good for us or healthy for us or which doesn't let our bodies naturally do the things they were built to do to process pain, emotions, and experiences on a physical level. So instead of just talking people through stuff and giving them a mental understanding, right. I incorporate a lot of body work to teach people how they are automatically or unconsciously controlling themselves or limiting their responses based on either trauma from the past or lessons that they were taught from the past and how to stop doing that so that they can do what's healthy and empowering for them now. It's it sounds like kind of like therapy involving your body that goes really deep. In a way, yeah. I'd say the difference for me from what I understand from therapy is I'm really working with my clients on what they desire for themselves in the future instead of only understanding and rehashing the past. Right. Like the past is of course a right, huge right, right. component of what shapes us into who we are today, right. but we don't have to be limited by our past. We're just so used to repeating that old story yeah. and and using it to to be an example or talk about how we are now. But you don't have to do that anymore, especially when you retrain your physical reactions or reprogram the way that you're thinking. Um, that's not based on those past experiences, but it takes intention, it takes attention, and it takes tools in order to do that. That's that uh, that's really beautiful um as i as i'm on my own healing journey i think we all are but as a healer who works more in the spiritual realm um but i but i touch people's bodies so it feels like a cross between body work i also know where in my body i'm storing a lot of pain mm -hmm. you know like emotional pain mm -hmm. and so it's very cool that there's somebody who works sort of on that level i think that there's sort of a a, a theme for you if I may, in that there's a, there's almost a, you're a futurist in a way, huh. you know, um, there are a lot of futurists who are kind of more like Elon Musk's or, uh, or the guy who wrote Hi hyperspace, uh, Dr. Kaku. I think that's how I say his name. I, uh, I, so. I apologize <laughs> uh, to him. Um, <laughs> but you know, you're kind of creating, uh, you're, like city wellness collective, you're creating vessels for people to envision a better future. And that's one way because there are certain elements of you, and one of them is 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 that creation. Yeah. And so you do that maybe for your individual clients that you create a f you work with them to create a future for them. Yeah, I, I'd say that's part of my genetic code. Uh, my parents being refugees, um, they really 
envision like a different kind of life for themselves and they've created a life for themselves and opportunities for me and my brother that never would have been possible had they stayed behind or even based on like the society that they grew up in like mm -hmm. the way that we live now was just a, you know this it was a total impossibility based on like in a totalitarian regime. exactly exactly so i just think that that's how i was raised watching my parents build lives from nothing you know coming to this country with nothing and that phrase like started from the bottom now we're here <laughs> <laughs> i love that song <laughs> so it's really exciting for me. Um, it's really like, that's how I feel inspired. Like being a creator is something that like is the reason that I wake up in the morning. It's like a turn on kind of energy for me. And it's all of our personal responsibility to figure out what puts us in our zone of genius, mm -hmm. no matter what job you're in or like right, what right, you're right. doing. And I think I really found my zone of genius in helping people create futures or create lives for themselves where before they would have said that's not possible and been able to give me a list of reasons why yeah. and changing that narrative for them and teaching right. them how to change reality for themselves. Right. That's really awesome. Yeah. It must, um, there's, um, so you're a huge creator. There's another part of you that, um, that, there, I guess, different parts of. You. I mean, I'm I'm in a good position because I I know you well yeah. or relatively well. So that's good for me and scary for me. I don't know what questions <laughs> you're gonna ask me. There's um, you're you're absolutely a creator of brand new things, which is really um, magnificent and beautiful, and I think that's what this world needs. But there's also there's um there's a rebel there's like if you had pillars if you were like if there were three pillars uh -huh. to you what would those pillars be oh my be? god what a question because i can think of the pillars that i think you are but maybe i only see a, a part of you well i i would be super curious what you would i mean especially someone that i i don't listen to what everybody thinks of me but yeah. someone i respect like you i would be curious to know i think there's rebellion uh-huh i think that there's um there's rebellion and that's kind of mixed with anger mm and I think that you, the way that I see you is that you're fueled by rebellion and anger is one of your, um, and you, what, what I believe a lot of healers are and what a lot of people who are really creators in this world is that I think that we're alchemists. Mm. So you take, we take pain and you turn it into magic. Mm. And so you take your rebellion and your anger and you turn it into power. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Whatever I would have said for my three pillars, I'm glad I didn't because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of rebellion and there's a lot of anger in you. And it's so true, yeah. Um, and I love that you brought that up because a, a lot of people and a lot of my clients, especially when they come to me, they've learned that there's certain emotions that are bad emotions or certain feelings that they need to control or limit somehow or that if they're expressive in that way they're not nice or polite or whatever uh, and I say whatever and that's part of the anger I think yeah. <clears throat> that you're talking about because I learned a lot of those lessons from my parents or from society or from feedback that I had when I was younger and I was not like not fully formed in my thinking but just so much more impressionable on what other people thought of me and you can see that in the world like we are always taught to reference society to see like what's appropriate mm -hmm. but what I learned through my work um, and through working with hundreds of people and my own process is that our emotions are a simply energy 
and be their messengers. So they're energetic messengers. And so whatever emotion comes up for you, it's not bad or good. Yeah. It's just that some emotions or feelings are acceptable or we've associated them with pleasure and some are negative, considered negative anyway, or we struggle with the intensity of them or we've learned that we shouldn't be feeling those things like pain or sadness or frustration or anger or many other things. But if we can listen to the lesson of why we're having that feeling, like what it's telling us and then use it instead of using all of our energy our bodies, our minds to fight against it or try to control it or use medicine not to feel it anymore. Imagine how much more powerful we each would be because I know that my anger is a fuel. Absolutely. Anger doesn't just mean being a bitch to somebody or like raging at people. Anger is just a strong (laughs) energy. Sure, you (laughs) raged with me. We've raged together (laughs) very recently. (laughs) But we know that anger is like such a clear energy of moving something forward, like Mm -hmm. processing something, not letting it sit inside of you and saying like, hey, this is wrong or not just wrong in a judgmental way, but I want things to be different. Something here needs to change. Like I, and, and if you can harness that energy to do the thing that your innate um, intelligence is telling you to do, you'll be unstoppable. What I'm, what I'm talking about is aligning with what your inner knowledge is saying and using all parts of you to go after the thing that you know that you want mm-hmm. versus having a feeling and then listening to your mind or reacting from a place in the past where you learn like don't feel that don't be too much that way don't say what you really mean like keep it together keep it down like it's such a different way of being it's such a different kind of freedom and when we're free we can be creative and abundant and the possibilities are endless and that feels amazing that sounds awesome coming up you'll hear michelle reveal how she became the woman she is today Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. So back to the three pillars, I've done some thinking about it, and the pillars I would say for you, three pillars of Michelle would be rebellion, which we discussed, rebellion slash anger, fueled by anger, pleasure, and creation, creator. So we've talked about rebellion, we've talked about creation, although rebellion, we can talk about that for days. Mm. And um, let's talk about um, the message of pleasure. Okay. Well, I would call even the sensation of pleasure, too. Excellent. (laughs) So what is your um, sort of take on pleasure and joy in life? Um, Well, so this is, again, 
it had to be a paradigm shift for me uh being raised by refugees uh the the guiding energy was not necessarily pleasure but survival <laughs> work, 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 constantly. Yeah. yeah i mean there of course were fun times you know it's not we didn't grow up in communist russia we grew up in america life was much better but um i wouldn't say that it was necessarily a priority of pleasure or i didn't get those kinds of messages about being guided by pleasure or by joy and even talking about it now i could roll my eyes and be like oh that's some like hippie talk here you know like being guided by joy but it's really true you know when you think about it we have one life and i mean i well, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I forgot who I was talking to. So we're in so the, much evidence of reincarnation. We're but okay. in this life now. Okay, we're Let's in our put lifetime. Like okay, that, we're right? in this lifetime right now. And okay. um, and we all get to be the creators of our experience in this life. And look, it's up to us each to figure out what our values are and what's important to us. But we also get to decide how we want to feel. And a lot of people don't know that. I certainly didn't know that for most of my life. I thought feelings were just things that happen to us. And sometimes they do, right? Like we're talking about energetic messengers. However, at the same time, we can have reactions to things and then also mindfully decide how we want to be in those situations. Or we can retrain our responses or we can create new neural pathways uh, that would connect new reactions or create new realities for us, not just based on what we've learned from the past. And for me, I know that when something feels really, 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 really good, I want to do more of it. It's such an amazing energy to be connected to. Like my, the things that I desire are things that bring me pleasure. And it's not just in a sexual capacity. It could be anything like doing this talk with you is something that's very pleasurable for me. Opening City Wellness Collective was very pleasurable for me. Building my marriage is extremely pleasurable for me. And if we can live lives that are fueled by pleasure that are connected to pleasure every day like what can grow from that like what you know I, this is a really reconnecting back to possibility that we are personally responsible for creating all the possibility that we want in our lives nobody else nobody's going to do it for us so in the same way how do you want to feel every day and then what are the things that you can do like actually do to connect you to those kinds of feelings and it's an exercise that i do with my clients where I ask them, what is your desired way of feeling or desired ways of feeling? What's important to you? And then what are the things that you can do that would connect you with those feelings? Or what are the things that you need to remove from your life because they're blocking you from having those feelings? And that's a very simple response, self-responsible way of creating the way that you want to feel. And I'm all about the way that you want to feel. That's really great. I mean, there's, there's so my brain is going to so many different mm. synapses as you say this because there, there are hints of it that speak of, uh, of Buddhism. You know what I mean? There are hints of it there, not fully, but especially in the more tantra tradition and also the mindfulness tradition in terms of um, controlling because the mind, what what we always say is it's a monkey mind. So we have to control our mind because our mind will create suffering and part of just the the way hum I believe that. The, humans are often built in a way um if we just let our minds run wild we create suffering for ourselves because the ego just goes bananas mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so this is a this is a really interesting way um to control the ego 
Do you know what I mean? Wow. I, I guess I never thought about it I mean, it that because way. that is the lens at which I, because I am obviously, as you know, and our audience is going to get to know, see life through such a, um, I guess, spiritual lens that is primarily from Eastern, mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with Eastern religion. That's all I do is like read that all day and night when I'm not working on clients. Um, <laughs> and so for me, that's the lens at which I see things because I think that that is one of the paths to not just enlightened, but also enlightenment, uh, fulfilling your dharma or your destiny in this life, um, ridding yourselves of karma, all that stuff. Um, anyway, sorry to go on. No, I'm sorry, it's, but it's this is just like all you know. I love to learn from you. <laughs> Thanks. Likewise, and and what I one of the things I love about you is how much you are in your body. Mm. And as I was saying um, earlier, I think that you you heal through the body, and I often heal through the spirit. Mm. And I, I really feel like you and I are, are yin and yang. Um, but anyway, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. So my next question for you is, is, um, well, can I just say one thing? Absolutely. That please. I'm actually so grateful for you. Let's make this a love fest because okay, that feels sure. good too, because I never, um, I didn't grow up with a spiritual tradition and I also was not a believer growing up and so you really opened a whole other kind of world for me um in the realm of the spirit and working with different kind of energies that you can't see that you actually don't need to touch and still they can be very powerful and life-altering so um I, i i think that even this like like it's it's so much about bringing all the energy and all the possibility together. Like that's something that you taught me because I also learned uh, so much that I had to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. Like it's so much, the responsibility is on my shoulders and I have to take it on, but there's other kinds of resources that we can draw on and other kind of energetic languages that we can rely on or that we, you know, like people would say talking to God or talking to universe or tapping into like different kinds of energy that allow us to be more weightless or allow even more possibility to unfold because a lot of creation is about um, inventing something that doesn't exist yet or that no one's seen before that you didn't have proof that it's possible. So your kind of work and, and spiritual work and energetic work in that kind of way is so much about tapping into what we don't even realize can be real for us and like connecting right. with that. Thank you. Yeah. And it, it's cool because it feels endless because, yeah. because being, a, there are different ways of being. One is feeling like, you know, everything. Mm. And I'm sure most people who are listening are, are not like that. Most people are trying to learn and expand, but another way to live is to be a seeker. Mm-hmm. And when you're a seeker and you live your life and you like, no, I'm a seeker. That means you never find a destination. You are on the path yeah. at all times. Yeah. So being a seeker is just being on the path and just learning and just expanding and just, and, and sometimes the path is painful. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that pain, that pain is like really <laughs> necessary to create new again. Right. Yeah. I think that is again, another paradigm shift where before, well, I can't say it's not always like this, but um, it was just like, when can I get off this crazy ride? Like, when is, <laughs> when is this pain gonna stop? Like, didn't I learn this lesson already? You know, or like, or or it would be so easier. It's such a disempowering way of thinking. It's not easy. It's just what we're used to doing a lot of the time that um things are happening to us, and that we're like we're just receivers of, you know, and that it's all like totally random. I would say maybe that is a non-believer's point of view, maybe, but I know for a long time that was a way that I felt um, about a lot of things. Excuse me. That's the way that I felt about a lot of things. But 
Um, now I forget where I was going with that train of thought. I'm sorry. What was it? What were we talking about? We heard you choke up a bit and sort of lose your train of thought. And I'm just curious, like what entered your mind that was there some sort of memory or something that came up for you? Mm, I don't think it was anything so literal. I'm actually like talking to my subconscious oh, to right subconscious. now. Cause I, from my conscious mind, I don't actually know. Um, huh, what? I guess maybe it's that the word responsibility sounds so harsh or like authoritarian somehow or adult in a way. Um, but that's not what I mean when I talk about personal responsibility. And I don't mean it in a way of like, you go figure it out and you have to be alone. Maybe it's something about the quality of being alone versus being in community with other people. Because I think a lot of what I or what I feel a lot of how I learned to do things was needing to rely on myself and the idea that nobody else could do it mm -hmm. but me. Um, and one of the reasons that I yearn so much for community and those kinds of deeper connections is because I don't want to do it by myself. And I would say most people especially you're talking about seekers or people that want healing they they don't want to be alone either like part of being human is is the connectedness is like being held like feeling our hearts like it's just one of our fundamental needs and so i say when i'm talking about personal responsibility i think it's tapping into desire again like deciding like this is what i want and then I'm going to be the one that's going to take the actions to bring in that kind of healing or create those kinds of changes. But it doesn't mean that we have to do it alone because we have so many teachers around us and like-minded people around us and people that want to support us. And again, that's tapping into that kind of energy and shifting and, and seeing other people as also seekers on this journey instead of competition or or just like, you know, seeing them for their face value and not realizing necessarily that we're all going through this human experience together. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in working with my clients is maybe the stories or the details of the stories are different, mm -hmm. but everybody is going through the same stuff. Like everybody the time. has the same really, feelings. Really yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so it feels so good to be in the position of someone that can help or enable somebody's healing journey or teach them a tool that can help them do what they need to do in their lives to heal or to change in the way that they need to change. And yeah, I think that's something very special about this work. I guess the other thing that um, two things came up for me in, in response to you is that I guess one of your other pillars in terms of what you care about, and maybe this falls under pleasure, and creation is community. Community is one of the foundations of your life. And um, I mean, you host dinner parties, you like invite people to, to go dancing with you. You know what I mean? You're a community builder, really in a huge way. And um, I mean, the I do think it's someone's personal responsibility and that they have to decide that they want to change or that they're unhappy in their lives. And a lot of people come to me when they're at their unhappiest. Mm. I deal with a lot of people in, in the, I guess, the, the pinnacle of pain, mm. which, you know, which I feel like, you know, not when they're ready to transform their lives, but when they're really, really in the, in the shit. Mm. 
but I think that there's more, there's so many different ways to, to work in terms of, it's not just like one path, right? Mm. So I like went to functional neurologists, which is like a whole nother thing. If you want to talk about science and, and weirdness and interesting things. Um, but there's one thing that I've learned from our community is that there's so many different pieces that all can put us all back together. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. not like, I don't think that like what I do is like the be all end all. I think that let's say one of my former clients who went to me for a long time is now seeing a really uh, out there acupuncturist and <laughs> taking all sorts of herbs. And it's like maybe Chinese medicine is what he needs. You know what I mean? And that kind of, um, you know, I, I believe in like releasing. So I like never worry about who, how many people are coming to me or what's going on or how often they see me. I like really leave yeah. that all up to to the universe and then everything just like works out. I wish I had that attitude towards everything else in my life. <laughs> I absolutely do not. But that's also in um, just to nerd out and bring it back to uh, to Eastern religion is the theory of non-attachment. Hmm. Is to not is even when you're creating your best life, and that's one thing people. So many people talk about manifesting their future, right? But I think most people who talk about it don't actually understand it. I agree. And so, and they're like, "Why aren't, aren't my manifestations working?" It's <laughs> like, well, there's a million reasons. One, your subconscious <laughs> is blocking you. You're not ready to receive it. You don't think you deserve it. Mm. You, um, you're not taking inspired action. You're not to taking get it. inspired action to get mm. it. That's a big one. You don't feel like you've already have it. I mean, that's a big thing. Um, but the other thing is like to release the attachment to outcome because I think I – don't, I don't know how you feel. Do you, do you think your desire is always something that you get to have to get, or your desire if you don't get it, is, it, is that a lesson in and of itself? Um, I'd say both. Um, I'd say that it's, it's such an interesting balance, right? Like how do you deeply desire something and then at the same time not have attachment to the outcome, it's right? Like what hard. a paradox, you know? So hard. And I think that, well, first of all, I'm a master manifester. Right. Um, and somebody once described it to me as I know how to like take all the magical energy out there and apply it to the real world, like using the laws of the real world. That's world. amazing. Blah, blah. I know how to take all the magic out there and apply it using the laws of the real world. How do you do it? <laughs> it's, Everyone wants to know. I think it's balance again. It's on the one hand, um, it, it's thinking about masculine energy and feminine energy. Oh my God, it's my favorite topic. It, <laughs> it's what you were just talking about, about why people don't, don't know actually really how to manifest because they might think I'm just going to make a vision board, you know, and I'm, then I'm going to sit in the corner, meditate, and I'm going to want all these things and wanting and having desire is of course crucial and fundamental, right? We have to know what the path we're walking towards is leading us to like there, we want there to be a carrot dangling at the end. That's going to mm. be the motivation for that pleasure or for that right. um, fulfillment at the end. That's why we're going to do all of the work. But on the other hand, you have to do the work. Like we live in the real world. And yes, it's not that sometimes total spontaneous magic doesn't happen. It does. But if you want to keep that momentum and flow going, like there's real stuff that needs to happen. Like, and you, again, talk about personal responsibility. It's your responsibility to be the one to 
put the building blocks in place to send out those emails, to contact the dream person that you want to be connected to, to do energetic practices that are raising your vibration or that are putting you in the frame of mind that is open to receiving, to doing the scary things that push you out of your comfort zone, or to being very clear about the neighborhood that you want to live in or the trip that you want to take. So it's, it's, it's a knowing and, an, and it's an unknowing at the same time, but that's what that balance is. It's the masculine, which is all about doing and activating and being quote unquote realistic or putting all the steps in the real world stuff in place. And then it's the empowered feminine, which is the dreamer, the creator, the making something where before there was nothing. And, and how do they dance together? And how do you be the dance? <laughs> Literally, because dance is one of my very important practices for bringing in that energy but you got to dance if you want to <laughs> if you want to play the game that was really beautifully put thank you michelle yeah those were great tips on manifesting so coming up we're going to talk about what dark times michelle experienced that led her to where she is today do you remember what we used to say about running oh somebody bigger had to chase you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable. And so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. This is kind of like we're getting to the meat. We're getting to the juice of uh, the turkey. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. Are you vegetarian? <laughs> Oops. Uh, I've been putting meatballs, meat in your salad. Um, okay, so I'd like to know something. And for me, I think this is really important because a lot of people go through garbage in their life. We all do, right? This is kind of the universal human condition. So I want to know what darkness in your that you've experienced in your past have helped you get to where you are today and that you're grateful for i am really happy that you asked this question especially because we live in this social media culture where everybody is like putting up the snapshot of perfection or like when they learn the lesson or when they made the money or when they're like 
looking the most beautiful with all their filters. And it's such an isolating experience because we're turning on our phones and then we're seeing all this like unattainable, perfect, happy moments. And we're busy like doing the dishes or running late for our meetings or whatever, you know, um, human stuff, which is again, what we're all going through. It's just not glamorous enough to Instagram. Uh, so as we're Instagramming, as we're literally, (laughs) (laughs) um, I've been through a lot of pain in my life. Again, you know, we're all human, even um, even with all the magic. I will give you specific. <laughs> do my intro here, okay? Uh, you know, I had a. I, on the one hand, I could say I had some hard things happen in my life, and on the other hand, I could say that I was really blessed too. But I'd say that a lot of the the pain that I experienced wasn't um, was. It was what we were talking about before about things unseen, that there was a lot of emotional stuff that I went through inside of myself um, based on ways that I was raised or expectations from my culture or having a body type, which when I was growing up was not accepted by my family or by my culture and, you know, being forced to be on certain diets or not participate in certain things or even like when we're growing up they didn't make cool clothes for bigger girls and then getting the message that like my body was wrong and who I am was wrong and having being the only one in my family with like curly hair and nobody knew how to cut curly hair so I'm getting like $10 haircuts at the lemon tree that leave me looking like a frizzy mess And, and I just think that overall there was a lesson that I learned in my life that I think is my shadow which is about um not feeling valued for who I really am and I think that is part of the energy that really continues to fuel me to this day where everything that I create and everything that I do is so much because I want to put value out there. Like I want to create value for other people and I want to show up in a way that people find value. And so at the same time, it can get dark when I don't know how to stop Uh or when it's not never good enough or when I hit an achievement and I can't stop and celebrate it because I get the high of like, yeah, I did that. And now what's next? And now what's next? And now what's next? Um, so that's my journey. That's the stuff that I work on is slowing down and celebrating myself and being in your feminine, being in my feminine, quieting the ego, connect <laughs> the ego yeah. saying like, you're not enough. What's next? What's next? And, and, and also recognizing that that is my old trauma. That is my old childhood lifelong pain of learning that lesson, but that that part of my life is over and that it's my responsibility again to be the empowered adult in my life and to be the loving mother to myself now as an adult Mm -hmm. that gives me the love and tells me the messages of my worth and my value and not needing to rely on anyone else or any accomplishments or knowing that even if it all disappears tomorrow that I am something and I am somebody and that is coming just from me and my knowing of who I am and what I'm about and what I'm here for. And I think it's the most empowering thing that any of us can do for ourselves is to become the source for that kind of energy and self-love really. And I have to honor all the painful moments in my life and all the harsh feedback and criticism that I got because 
if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have known how to foster that or I wouldn't have been able to connect with what it is that I really need. And I wouldn't have had this deep energy and drive to be doing all the things that I do today. It sounds like the theme from your childhood was that you're not okay as you are. Hmm. And that's something that I've heard from you also. Like, you don't weigh the right amount. Your hair isn't the right texture. You're too loud. You laugh too loud. You're too, like, out there. Like, why aren't you sort of like, sort of like they're trying to, like, there's a force to be reckoned with. And they're just like, quiet down, be in a box. You know what I mean? And so I think that that, from just reflecting back, trying to force you in the box has made you be like, has made that (laughs) force or that monster, good or bad monster, bigger fuck the box (laughs) fuck the the, the patriarchy you know it's kind of like even if that even if it's a woman you know yeah and so i think that that i think that that's that that kind of core wound of i'm not okay and so so perhaps just reflecting back part of your job is telling everyone you are okay exactly as you are Mm. be as loud as you want to be be as like as weird as you want to be just be who you are and that suppression that's sort of like Almost like compressing, putting a, I don't know, just putting yourself in a, in some sort of container that doesn't make sense. That's right. That feels uncomfortable. Yeah. I used to spend a lot of my energy and my attention on trying to be somebody different, trying to weigh less and trying to straighten my hair and working at jobs that were prestigious or impressive uh, to my family or, well, or, you were in or marketing, right? Yeah, that's right. You I were had... an alpha female <laughs> bananas marketing. I was, woman. I was, I was um, a global social media director for oh for a beauty <laughs> brand for a while. That was my last corporate job, actually. Um, and there came a point in my life where I just realized I wanted I wanted to do it for myself. Like I needed to do it for myself, and so it became less about rebellion per se, or having a a nemesis or having like my parents that are telling me you should be one way. And I'm like, no, I want to be another way. Instead, the rebellion became like, well, who do I really want to be? And how do I want to be? And who am I? And starting to appreciate all the things like how loud my laugh is and how loud I talk. (laughs) And, um, and understanding that like other people's feedback it's not me, it's them, you know? And also that I can decide whether or not I want to take that feedback in or not. I can decide what I want to do with it too. So, um, I mean, that that's why I do all this work with women. That's why I have a podcast and my business is called Radically Selfish because mm-hmm. I grew up learning that I was very selfish and that was not a good thing because it meant that whatever I wanted or however I wanted to be somehow impeded on somebody else or took away from other people. Like that the brighter I shined, the more I would take away from other people's shine. And it's not true. I think that's a very patriarchal concept that we need to compete with each other and be pitted against each other and only one winner and only one can rise to the top. So zero sum. I don't know what that means, actually, (laughs) but I'm going to say yes because you said it. Um, I think I think that there's there's it's sort of like it means that there's a finite amount of good. Ah, okay. And that and that you you that there's a pie, Mm. and if one person has more of the pie, then other people have less. Right. That's what zero sum means. And I can understand looking back that growing up in a 
communist culture where there really was only a certain amount of bread available for people that that was a reality right but that's not the reality anymore at least not in the way that i live and to honor the freedom and the possibility that i was raised in and the reason that my parents sacrificed to like bring me here like is for me to be as big as possible and as self-expressed as possible because when I am and when I can be that way, it opens up that opportunity for other people that the more money I make, the more I can spend it in a mindful way on businesses and projects and people that are important to me and that I believe in. And the more of inspired I am, then the better programs I can create that would um, benefit more people and help them open their lives more. And like doing my podcast even was selfish in the best way because I get to talk to inspiring women that I want to get to know better and help to spread their message to more listeners and and create new ideas and a new kind of dialogue. So my selfishness, my radical selfishness is not about taking from other people. It's about honoring myself and in doing so being an example that teaches others how they can honor themselves to be the creators and the generators that they're capable of being. That was Really beautiful. And you, I didn't have to ask my last question because Hmm. you answered it naturally in terms of like, what's your central message? Where are you now? So you just did that. So thank you. My pleasure. What I would like to know now, or what I would like you to share with our listeners is how can people get in touch with you? How can people follow you? How can people be a part of your life? Great. Um, Well, if you're a healer and you're looking for community or support or beautiful workspace, Uh, then you can reach out to City Wellness Collective. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, or our website is citywellnesscollective.com, and we're also on Google. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And if you want to get in touch with me about um, personal transformation or becoming a magnet for everything that you desire in your life, I work with women one-on-one, women that want to be more empowered and that have bigger dreams and want to know how to get to that place. And my company is called Radically Selfish. Also, I'm on the Instagram and on the gram, on the gram. (laughs) And I have a shiny website like the people do these days. Um, And I love hearing from people. I have a a amazing weekly newsletter that goes out Sunday mornings. I enjoy it. With very <laughs> actionable practices that people can do, men and women can do. I have a lot of um, conscious men that are in my community too, so don't be intimidated. Um, but a lot of practices that you can just easily bring into your own life. And then I do an awesome Facebook Live on Mondays at noon Eastern where I do a teaching and we really get into it and it's a lot of fun. So I love hearing from people. I love working with people and I'm happy to connect with anyone that would like to thank you so much michelle this was really beautiful we're so honored to have you here thanks for sharing and spreading your light thank you i love being here so what i hope you've taken away from today is that if you are in any sort of pain in your life if you're going through something there is a way out there's a there's a way to change your experience your thoughts how you're living your life and that we can all go from our pain which teaches us great lessons to joy. And that when we're, another way to look at selfishness is actually not really about taking more for the self, but about shining our light brighter. And then when we shine our light brighter, we get to uplift all of humanity. 
So thank you so much again, Michelle, for being here. My name is Jessica Brodkin. You can reach me at loveandlightservices.com or on the gram or Twitter at Jessica Brodkin. Please be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.